Hello, I'm Michael McMullen. This is the World Snooker Tour podcast, and my guest this week is one of the many promising players emerging in recent years from the northeast of England. It's Sam Craigie. Sam, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us. What's going on in the northeast? It's always been a place that snooker's been quite popular, but not that many players have come out of it until the last few years. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you say, there's plenty of players. Um, just the last couple of seasons, we've all like started doing like considerably better than what we were. Um, I don't know what that's down to. Um, it's just time, I think. Maybe like uh, a couple of us like, are maturing, like with age. Um, so obviously, like it's hard when you're young when you first get on tour, and um, I think everyone goes through the same thing. You fall off once or twice, and then you start finding your feet. Um, so I think that's happened to probably most of us from start to finish. Gary Wilson obviously has done so well recently. Elliot Slesser as well. And a lot of you practice together, don't you? No, I don't. No, I think they do. They I th- do. Uh, right. I think they practice together. Yeah. Um, I just do my own thing. Okay. Now your brother was also a very promising player and was actually on the pro tour for a while. And you played him in the semi-finals of the World Under Twenty One Championship. That must have been a very strange one. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, at the time, I was too young to turn pro. Really, that um, I just wasn't ready to be on the tour. Um, I didn't want to win that match. Um, I think in the decide, I had a I just slapped at a long red and kind of hoping it missed and it went in and the reds are perfect. Maybe so, that's the secret. I mean, yeah, sometimes, sometimes just hit and hope. Um, yeah, that was probably one of the worst matches you could ever be involved in. So after you'd beaten Steve and you went on to win the World Under-21 Championship and you look at the list of players who've won that over yeah. the years, several of whom have gone on to become world champion at the Crucible. It was a really big thing to win, but you were very young at the time. Did you really take in the enormity of it all? <laughs> I didn't even take it seriously. I mean, back then, I like I drank a lot, and everyone knows the story. I mean, I think after I won the semis, I was out drinking until 5 or 6 in the morning and then playing at 11 in the final or something like that. So I couldn't even see in the final. So and how on earth did you win? I've, I've got no idea. Um, I think I went six two or six three down at the interval. Um, then had a big Sunday roast and soaked up all the drink. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> um, it's an unusual method, but it worked. It was, yeah. Um, that's just how we used to do it back in the day. It was against Lee Hang, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, obviously, he's like a really good player now. I mean, he was back then, but he's I really rate him. Yeah. People have just got to find their own way in the game, and I guess if it was working <laughs> for you that week, it was working. Yeah, for I mean, you. it used to work, but then obviously it catches up on you. Uh, I can't do that anymore. No, that's very much a young man's thing, and yeah. you still are very much a young man. Yeah. But uh, you were extremely young at that time, and came onto the tour at the age of seventeen, and it was a very different thing then, wasn't it, Sam? Because you only got one year guaranteed, and it's a lot to ask of anyone to stay on at that time, but particularly someone so young. And you ended up only having that one season. Yeah, um, I think. There was PDCs. I'm not sure, but there wasn't. There were, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't like as many as events as now. Um, I think I, I lost to Justin Astley in the Worlds to have a chance of staying on, and it, he was an amateur at the time, so um, that hurt a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said back then, I didn't take it seriously. I mean, I nearly stayed on without even trying. Um, pretty much, um, I regret it now, because obviously things could be a lot better right now if I. Stuck in back then, um, but you, you learn through living pretty much. And when you got to the end of that season and you dropped off, were you thinking, that's it, maybe that's me finished with the game? Or were you thinking, I'd actually like to get on and try this again? Um, I can't remember exactly when, but um, like my brother packed in and then I packed in as well um, for 
I think it was maybe three, yeah. And when you say packed in, do you literally mean didn't yeah, pick just up stopped, the queue? Yeah, just no, no snooker whatsoever, just had enough. Um, so what got you back into it then? Um, just seeing other people turn through, and it was uh, like just people who I used to beat with, like quite easily sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd, I'd try it again, but then I think I can't remember which like what age I was when I quit and when I started again. Um, but again, it took us till like the last three years to like really get back onto her. Um, I think I fell off again another twice. Um, from when I started again, so I've been like on and off like a yo-yo, you know what I mean. So, so what were you doing during those years that you weren't playing? Did uh, you get a job? Had a couple of jobs, um, but me and jobs don't really go hand in hand. So, I think that's why I got back into snooker as well. Yeah, you didn't want to go out and do a, a just, normal day just job. Pe- people telling us what to do it's, it doesn't it doesn't mm. sit well with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you got back onto the tour. Everyone was aware that you had a lot of potential. You'd shown that by winning the World Under-21. You have to be a very mm. good player to do that. The first time we really saw the best of you, I think, was a match in Belfast against Kyron Wilson. And you put your mm. glasses on, <laughs> and this was something that was new. So you went out in that match. You got four scoring visits to the table. Mm. You made two centuries, two other breaks in the 80s. And you won by four frames to one. It was an incredible performance. One of the best we've ever seen, actually, from anyone in a best of seven. So, I bet you know what the next question is. What happened to the glasses? Um, I just just decided they weren't that necessary. They did help a little bit, um, just on certain shots. Um, but like after wearing them for like a few hours, I started like giving you a bit of pain and stuff with like how tight they are. And I just... Just took them off. I don't need glasses. I, mean, I can't see, but they do help a little bit. They obviously helped a lot that day. Though, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the yeah. first time you'd ever worn them, was it, in a match? Possibly, yeah. Uh, uh, that would have been, yeah. Um, so I think I'd, I had a uh, nice run in China as well or something when I was wearing them. I had a good few matches with them on and then took them off. <laughs> and did you feel while you were playing that match against Kyron, because it was an unbelievable performance, yeah. that it was helping you in that match? It's similar to when you get a new coach or something. It's like a, like the new effect. Yeah, it yeah. takes your mind off all the other stuff you've been thinking about. And you're thinking about, well, I'm wearing glasses. And I don't know, maybe. Or maybe they did help that much. Um, I don't really know, to be honest. You went on to reach the last 16 of that tournament, which was a pretty yeah. good result. And it was actually Elliot Slesser, your fellow Tynesider, who beat you. What do you remember about that one? Not much, no. Yeah. I just, like I say, I played well in the... Uh, the first two matches maybe they started declining I got a bit worse the next one then I got a bit worse against Elliot so that's just the way it is and so the glasses were gone after that so what did you do then Was it, do you wear contact lenses now? Probably? no no just decided to put them in the bin so mm. I was in two mines and then this day I just put them in the bin and I thought at least if they're in the bin I can't keep going back and forward. Mm. Unless, of course, you went and bought another pair, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. yeah. But does that make it hard to see, then? If you, you obviously need something, then, if you were wearing the spectacles at the yeah, time. Yeah, I went to like, get a test and stuff, and apparently it was a muscle in, I think it was my left eye. Um, like Just on some shots, when I look up, this one takes a bit longer to get to where I want to be looking. So it's just like slightly... Like blurry sometimes. So at the end of that season, despite that run, you actually found yourself having to go back to the Q school. But you did really well there, and you got through, and as a result, got straight back on for the following season. Do you remember much about that? 
think so. Yeah. I think I played Andy Hicks. Probably the worst first round you can get in Q school. And I think I had four, like fifty or sixty pluses to beat him in the first round. Um, and I, I think after that it was it was quite easy. Um, it was, it's, it's a different game. You go to Q school and you get like three chances a frame, and mm-hmm. after when you've just fell off after playing like people on tour, it just feels like if you play half decent that you should get straight back on. Do you think that would have been the end if you hadn't got through Q school? Would you have just decided that was enough at that stage? Possibly, yeah. You, you get sick of falling off, um, and eventually you just have to say like, maybe I'm not good enough. You know, um, but obviously I got back on, so I'll have, that, I'll have that conversation with myself another time. <laughs> so I remember you saying at the time that you'd really worked hard actually for that Q school. That you decided if you were going there, you were going to put in a lot of hours on the practice table. Is that how you remember it? Um, I think I've, I remember going there prepared. I'm not sure exactly where I was or what I'd done. But well, you did say you'd been playing for eight hours a day. So well, was that I, true? Probably, yeah. Um, yeah. And did you find that hard then, having maybe not been the biggest practicer to um, to be playing that long every day? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think I go through spells. Uh, like usually, I do a lot of solo. So mm. like if. If I'm in the right frame of mind, I'll just stand there all day, pretty much. Um, but then, but when you're like during the season, you, you, sometimes you don't really need it. Like, and half the time, I do my own heading, like tinkering with stuff. And then you come to a tournament and you're trying something else. And if you go, you lose. You go home. You try something else. Um, I, th- I think that's a snooker. It just it really gets under your skin sometimes. It does, doesn't it? And what kind of things would you tinker with then? Different cues, different techniques, that oh, sort just, of thing. You think it's techniques, but then you watch your game back and you look exactly the same. Mm. It's just all in between the years. It's just trying to make yourself feel comfortable. And yeah, to, yeah. To, to feel uh, you're well prepared. Yeah, it's just like it's learning how to become comfortable being uncomfortable sort of thing. Um, in terms of dealing with the pressure of being out there? That I sort think of so, thing. yeah. Um, yeah. But it's hard to like get used to it when you're not in that situation all the time. Now, you had a very good run in the China Open, actually. Uh, obviously, a very big event mm. in your first season after going to the Q School. And you played some very good players and turned in some very strong performances. Any memories of that week at all in Beijing? Was that the quarters, did you say? It was the quarterfinal yeah. against Neil Robertson. We you were beaten 6-0. Six six yeah. yeah, but yeah. prior to that, you'd played some very good stuff. I did, yeah. I beat for three good players. I think it was, um, it was, it was Ryan Day... Liang Wenbo, maybe? Wenbo and Carter. Um, and all best of 11s as well. Yeah, so I, I, I played um, like good snooker then. Um, then just had nothing left against Neil. Yeah. Um, the table, actually, I remember now, the table was shocking. It was like really shocking. But he played every match on it. So like, I went in there as like, probably 3 0 down to start with. So that's just something you get privilege of being on that table with being at the top. So What made the difference that week then that you were able to string together? the consistency and get a few good wins over a reasonable distance against good players was there anything in particular or did you just go there and find your game uh, I think there actually was, there was a, there was a lot of fitness involved um, uh, for like maybe a couple of months leading up to that um, and working on the mental side as well um, so it makes sense you know when you work mm-hmm. on stuff and you have a bit of a run um, and when you say fitness, is that running, going to the gym, a bit of both? At, at the time, what was this? It was um, 
it was uh, on the bike, the bike, and then like just a few other stuff, a few other things, um, like really bloody counting me calories and all that. I got a bit obsessed for a little right. short period, um, but then I got sick of it. So it's hard to keep it going. It to is. Keep that uh, motivation. It, get, it gets mm. really boring. Um, I've got two kids at home as well, so mm. like making exact meals and stuff. It's just, I mean, it's almost impossible when you got kids. So how long did you do that for? Um, I, like I say, I go through spells where like, I just really fancy doing something, um, like, and it lasts like, a few months, and then I'll have a couple of months not doing it, and then I'll get back into it. And it's, I don't know if it's healthy or not doing that, but that's just I don't know. It's whenever I feel like it, I'll get into it. And when you saw the benefits of that, Sam, that you'd done that and then went and had that really good run in the big tournament in China, did you yeah. try to force yourself to keep it going to see the benefits, or was it just too hard to do? Um. I never really like get like too like out of shape sort of thing, you know what I mean? I never let myself go too much. I was gonna say you don't look like someone no. who, you know, was letting myself go too yeah. badly. Um I think that's all it is. Like if I feel like I need to do something, I'll do something. Mm. But yeah. if I feel alright then I'll just stick to like what I'm doing. So that was a good run, that tournament. Much more recently than that, you actually went pretty close to winning a ranking event. The Pro Series uh, yeah. last season, and you look a bit rueful about that. Now, it was an unusual sort of format. It wasn't a knockout. You had yeah. groups, and then the winners <clears> of those <throat> went through, and you ended up in the final group. You finished third in it. Mm. How close were you to actually winning that? Uh, I, I couldn't, because Williams just kept winning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was the last game I played quarter, and I went, I might, I might have went 1-0 up. And I went to the toilet to check Williams' score, because if he wins, I can't win it. And I'd seen he'd already won, so I just, just kind of give up sort of thing. I was devastated because it would have been a big thing for me. Like, and the fact that you got to that late stage of it still in with mm. a chance of winning, there must have been a point of that day, because all that group was played in a single day, wasn't it? But there must have yeah. been a time when you thought, I could actually be a ranking tournament winner by tonight. It just wasn't like that, though, because Williams beat me, and he was just winning every match. So unless mm. he lost, I couldn't physically win it. Yeah. Which was get... a possibility, of course. Yeah, he, like, he could have opened yeah. the door. So what did you take away from that then, Sam? Did you think... I know it was only short matches, but you had played well in a lot of them. So did you come away feeling this is something to build on? Uh, Sort of. So it was into the Worlds after that, wasn't it? Um, So I went to the Worlds feeling confident, but then absolutely felt the bits in the first round. (laughs) So um, I kind of got knocked back a few steps um, and fell over the line against um, Ashley Hugel. Um, then tinkered with something going into the second round and then started playing well. So it's just crazy how quick something can change. Um, that, like I say, that's a snooker. It's just crazy. One of the hardest games I think anyone could ever play. Um, like at any moment you can struggle and at the next moment you can be flying. You got through to the final qualifying round. You're playing Zhao Xintong. Was it a big thing for you? Was it always a massive dream to play at the Crucible? And now you're just one match away from it? No, <laughs> it really wasn't. Um, like I say, I've never. Um, I don't really love snooker. You know, I mean? I'm not like a snooker, like maniac sort of thing. It's just something I'm good at. So, and there's a living to be made from it. It's the same as going to work. You know what I mean? Um, but it's interesting that you say that, and very honest of you as well. I would look at it and wonder how on earth have you managed to become such a good snooker player if it wasn't something that you really loved how do you even uh, get to that point in the first place it's like I say it's just um, it just gets under your skin and it's 
that you're looking to perfect something that can't be perfected when you go to practice. So like, you're never happy and you, there's always something to work on. So like you, you never like get there and oh, like there's no what to do. Um, and I think I think that's the reason I play. Um, just trying to get better, pretty much. I think so anyway. So maybe you do enjoy it and you do love it when you play well and you win and you obviously do get a certain enjoyment out mm. of that. You do when you're playing well. Mm. Um, but even winning sometimes isn't enjoyable. And when you're playing well, it's probably the best feeling in the world. Mm. Um, but that, how often does that happen? So maybe it's a case that you actually really do like the game, but maybe it's bogged you down a bit over the years. And uh, Probably. Um, I think it's, I mean, it's like a recipe for like depression, I think. It really is. Um, like anyone around my position when the rankings are lower and stuff, you're just always losing, you know what I mean? And it's just pretty torture half the time. Well, you didn't lose in the final qualifying round against Shouting Tom, <laughs> who, as we know, is a very capable player. You were behind for most of the match, but you managed to come through in a tight finish. You won it in a decider. Maybe mm. the fact that you were laid back about it and it wasn't this massive thing to you and a massive hurdle to clear was what actually helped you to get over the line in the end. Uh, probably, yeah. Um, in positions like that, it's more like proving something to myself. Not to like try and reach somewhere or do something. It's more like a personal challenge, I think. Um, just holding yourself together in that sort of situation. It's like it means a lot. So you go to the Crucible, you play Mark Williams, who obviously has won the championship there three times, and you settled in quite quickly. And the mm. first session was all right. Yeah, so it started off all right. Um, Two nil up. Yeah, but I think even being behind after the first session was. Just bad, considering I was two and up, just playing bad shots and making silly mistakes. And then, from what I remember, he was, he was nigh on unplayable in the second session. He just didn't leave us anything. I think I had one or two chances in the last what five, six frames. It was just bonkers. It's a bit of an anticlimax, really, wasn't it? Because was, you yeah. go in with a big chance, and then he mm. just streaks away and wins yeah. five in a row, and that's yeah. it. He was just too good on the night. Let's play what I call the quick fire round, Sam. This is just a few little topics, and I throw them at you, and you just yeah. say whatever comes into your head. Your favourite music? Uh, that's too much of a tough one for me. <laughs> but do you like uh, music? Yeah, yeah. Um, what sort of thing would you listen to? I'll just say Elvis. Elvis will do. Okay, yeah. good one. Best anyone's ever played against you? It's got to be Higgins, I think. Mm. That's the only one that came to my mind there. It's got to be Higgins in, it was in Ireland a few years ago. So, oh, where he made the one four uh, seven. He's, he's had a max yeah. two centuries and an eighty or something. It was just frightening. Yeah, I remember sitting in the arena for that. He was in yeah. absolute peak form at that yeah. time. The best thing about Newcastle, <laughs> my kids. Very good answer. Your ideal day off, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and which players you would like to go on a night out with? Uh, Stuart Carrington. It's good laugh, is he? Now, tell us about your kids there, because when you've got two daughters, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you want to spend as much time with them as possible. So mm. it becomes hard then to put in the dedication we were talking about, because they're only young for a little while. Yeah. Um, I mean, recently, uh, like maybe part of broke up. Um, Sorry to um, hear that. No, we've, we've, we've sorted things out now. So um, like kind of making a conscious effort to try and put things right sort of thing. And like, I just have a happy family um, and it's it's working so far you know what I mean um, I feel good and like getting results so 
um, things things are looking up at the minute. And it sounds from the way you talk about them that you regard them as very much the best thing in your life and yeah, more definitely. important than anything else. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially now, like I've realised. I mean, like snooker comes second. And I think that's what I meant before, where it gets under your skin and you start putting it first, mm. and it really starts like irritating you every day, every second of like just all the time. You're always thinking about it. Um, so like after my last match, I actually went home. Just to get away and like go and like my partner came to watch and I went home with her and just go and see the kids for the day and then it just takes your mind off things. Well, I'm glad to hear things are working themselves out in that way. It's been a few times over the years where you've not made it to matches on time or whatever. Mm. What's that all about? Do you have difficulty waking up or I had a little spell. I mean, I can't lie, there was maybe one or two times where I was enjoying myself. Um and then the, all the rest of them were just genuine not waking up. Um, and I think that's where like the side of depression comes in and stuff. Just couldn't get up. You mm. know what I mean? And like it happens at home. Um, well, I used to. Like, the alarm would go off and I just just roll over and go and oh, sleep through. Just, just, yeah, just, well, that's a snooker. Just well for me and anyway. I don't know if other people feel the same, but like just went through spells where it's just really just been a bit too much. You know what I mean? So you do like to have a good time. You've alluded to that mm. a few times here. Have you curbed that a bit as you've got older? Or are you yeah, still enjoying definitely. being there? Yeah. Yeah. I still do. I still enjoy a drink, but nowhere near as much. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't even know how often anymore. Uh, it's not very often. I've been to Newcastle, but I've never been for a night out there. But it does have a reputation as being a great yeah, place to go out. Yeah. Is that true? Well, it's, yeah, it's not very. Really, I don't really go into the town centre when I'm drinking. So, right. Um, bit too, bit too busy for me. Um, well, you see, everyone else says they love it in there. So, what about Newcastle United? Do you follow them at all? Are you into the football? Uh, I mean, over the past couple of seasons, kind of just stopped watching any sort of game they were involved in because it was painful. But um, obviously, things hopefully are if we can stay up this season, things could improve. So, you make it back, back into, into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever go to games? Were you into it? To uh, just level? one or two. Um, just, just, I don't know. No, never really made the effort to know. So where do you see yourself five years from now, Sam? You're still going to be young at that time. You would be coming into what would be considered the prime years for a snooker player. Where do you see yourself being? Will you still be this laid back about it? Or do you think you'll be really hungry to make the most of your obvious talent at that stage? Um, the main goal now is getting a new house with three bedrooms. So just getting in a position to make that possible at the minute. Um, just never know how quick it can happen. And could you see yourself being at a stage when you get to that and... Think to yourself, well, I've got all the ability to go and win tournaments. As we said, you weren't far off in the pro series and that mm. maybe you'll really knuckle down and make one last push and try to become a top player. Or do you think you'll you'll ever have that motivation again? Well, I'm probably trying to. Mm. Um, probably trying as hard as anyone else. But sure. I'm not going to... I mean, this is this is just how I am. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, you remind me a lot of Mark Williams because yeah. you never see him depressed after a defeat. You never yeah. see him thinking it's the end of the world by any yeah. means. And it's worked very well for him. Mm. So maybe there's no reason to change. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't plan on changing, so um, hopefully it works out for me. And what else do you like to do away from the game? When you say you've got two young kids, I know that takes up a, a yeah, huge I amount mean, of time. Do you get up to anything else interesting? I mean, nothing really springs to mind. I mean, like I say, if, um, they haven't been the best dad in the world since day one, but um, I'm trying to put that right. So, In what way do you mean that, sir? It's not, it's not just making like enough effort for the for the kids and stuff like since the start. I mean, the uh, eight and four now. Um, but recently, just just trying to make a conscious effort to make the like have a happy family. So 
Okay, well, that's the main thing. And listen, we hope to see more success from you because you obviously have a huge amount of talent and we'd love to see you doing well in tournaments in the future. But whatever life brings for you, Sam, we wish you all the best. And thank you so much for joining us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. Yes, thank you. Next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast, an eye-opening conversation with Tom Ford. He'll be explaining why he feels he's already a ranking tournament winner, reflecting on how hard it was to cope with lockdown and looking back on the thriving scene he emerged from in Leicester. Even all the amateurs that could just go in, pick a queue up, make 100. So um, I think it was me and Mark Selby as well. We was in there as juniors. So that club helped us out no end. And um, it was the owner, Malcolm Thorne. He was um, a lot of places you had to be 14 to go and play. And I just went in one day with my dad. And my dad said to Malcolm, like, I want to play. And, and uh, Malcolm just said, well, here's a queue. Go and hit the ball on the table. And Lucky for me, I hit the ball and he let me in. So Malcolm did a lot for us as juniors as well. So I think Willie Thorns has a lot to do with why Leicester was so good. So that's coming up next week on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget to check out our bonus content, The 147, rounding up the week's snooker news in 147 seconds every Tuesday. Until then, thanks so much for listening and goodbye.